0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 312. Cruising to Alaska is one of the premier itineraries Royal Caribbean offers, and this week, we have a cruise review with a listener that not only cruised to Alaska, but spent a significant amount of time there before the cruise to truly take advantage of this trip. We have a full recap of this epic Alaska sailing on ratings of the seas here on this week's podcast. Here we go. One of my favorite places to visit now on any real cruise has to be Alaska. Went there for the first time last year, and ever since getting my first taste of the last frontier, I have been slightly obsessed with trying to get back there. And this week's episode, I didn't get back to Alaska, but we are talking to somebody who did go to Alaska on their summer vacation, and we're talking with our very good friend Cruisin' Susan back on the podcast. Susan, thank you for joining us here yet again.
1: Oh, Matt, thank you for having me back.
0: Absolutely. Now, Susan went on a wonderful Alaska sailing on Radiance of the Seas, a southbound itinerary. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, Susan, my jealousy exists on many levels, starting at which, first of all, you spent a lot of time before the cruise in Alaska. Tell us about that.
1: Well, uh, we spent eight days uh, starting in uh, Fairbanks and working our way down to Seward. Uh we had done a lot of research before planning this cruise Uh, about two years ago i had my husband listen to two of your podcasts where you had somebody on talking about alaska and that spurred us to start looking into alaska and uh, we decided first of all when we wanted to go and we knew we wanted to do southbound and um the more we looked into things the more we found we wanted to do. So um, we looked at Royal Caribbean's land part, and it just didn't give us enough time there. So we made up our own itinerary, and uh, we used alaska.org for uh, loads of information. Anyone going to Alaska needs to look into alaska.org. And uh, through them, we found Alaska Tour and Travel, who just were excellent at uh, listening to what we wanted to do, planning it out for us, booking everything. All we had to do was pay for it and go. And everything worked out perfect.
0: That's great. And of course... What you did there, Susan? You took advantage of the fact that you had to fly to Alaska anyway to begin your cruise, and you figured you would double down on the time spent before the cruise, uh, being able to see some things on land. Going to what are some of the, Give us like some of the uh, places you visited before the cruise on your land portion. Uh,
1: we started out in Fairbanks. We stayed at uh, Pike's Waterfront Lodge, which is right on the Chenna River and is absolutely beautiful. Uh, right next door is. Um, Pike's Landing, uh, a restaurant, excellent food. Um, now, I must say, we did, in our research, we realized that meals out were going to be expensive up there, and they were, but we got so much for the price. I mean, there were times where I had a hard time finishing my meal. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, we arrived there on a Thursday. Uh, we decided we would try to just get over our jet lag. And uh, we ended up waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And we looked out the balcony and we were astounded. It looked like it was 10 o'clock in the morning. Just bright, beautiful. And we got up, we walked around the grounds. We, uh, we even waded in the river a little bit. And uh, then we went and had breakfast and went for another walk. In the afternoon, we did riverboat discovery cruise. Um, It was something my husband wanted to do. And I was like, well, okay. And it turned out to be really good uh, from the standpoint that it was very educational and a lot of fun. Um, The next day, we flew to, or not flew, we took the Wilderness Express. Uh, to Denali. Now, Wilderness Express is like a private car on the the train. It's at the end of the train. Bigger than the domed car on the, the regular Alaska Railroad. Uh, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. The seats were comfortable. Um, and uh, it has the restaurant below. Very elegant restaurant. And um, It was a four-hour train ride, Hmm. and uh, it was just beautiful. Now, I must say that people say, oh, the views are spectacular. Uh, But we found that maybe 40% of the views were spectacular. Otherwise, you're seeing a lot of trees alongside the road and a lot of lowlands with a little bit of trees and shrubs. Um, but the views that were spectacular were amazing yeah,
0: and yeah, Now I was just going to say, I mean, Alaska is, a, it's one of those places you, you're going to hear Susan and I talk uh, a lot about the natural beauty, the, 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 uh, amazing views you're going to see. And until you see it in person it's you can never really truly appreciate. I certainly didn't as well Susan before I went to Alaska for the first time. I was like, "Okay, it's beautiful. I get it." But until I got there, the grandeur of it was I was not prepared for it. and it is everything everybody says and then some.
1: Oh, Matt, you you were you did the inside passage. That's nothing compared to up in Denali. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, passion, so. we we were just blown away with Denali how beautiful it was um we did a Jeep excursion uh, that went about 100 miles. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Had a lot of um, uh, mosquitoes joining us. Yeah. But um, beautiful, beautiful. I have some gorgeous pictures. Um, the next morning, we got up early and did Fly Denali. And seriously, if, if you go up there, save up. A- your money and do fly denali it takes off out of healy which is just outside the park on the northeast corner of the park and it was spectacular we landed on a glacier uh we were 10 miles from mount denali um, we got to throw snowballs at each other oh, wow. and it, it was just phenomenal um, the pilot Eric was a lot of fun. Um, that that to us was the highlight of the trip.
0: That's great. And of course, you do all this stuff, and you still have your Radiance of the Seas cruise to go. So that's got to be a great feeling in your mind. Why did you pick Radiance particularly? Why this particular sailing?
1: Well, we wanted to do southbound, and um, Radiance was the only one that was doing southbound. We did not. We wanted to go up into the interior and knew that, um, you know, we have limited choices.
0: Yeah. What did, um, along, and that makes perfect sense. It was, a, my follow-up was going to be, why didn't you do the, uh, why did you pick that over, say the round trip out of Seattle, but you wanted to go in the interior. So that's really your only choice there. Um, talk to us about what kind of stateroom did you book?
1: Uh, we have a balcony. It was on deck seven and yep. the balcony was an extended balcony. It was like a a double length balcony so half of it was under the balcony up top and the other half was open so when we were at Hubbard Glacier um, we used a suction cup put our GoPro on the uh, on the balcony door on on the part that doesn't slide and we did a time lapse through Hubbard Glacier, and we were able to go right out to our railing and, and just look at everything. It was it was wonderful. Having that balcony was amazing because uh, there was a point where we actually saw whales from our balcony, we saw uh, bald eagles, uh, the scenery on the inside passage was just beautiful, and we had gorgeous weather almost the entire time. It rained a couple when we did a ATV ride, it rained halfway through that. Um, it rained a little bit going into Hubbard Glacier, and then when we were cruising the inside passage, it rained. But otherwise, we had absolutely beautiful weather. Everyone, everyone that we met was telling us, "Oh, we haven't had weather this good in a long time."
0: Let <laughs> well, I me, mean, uh, along those lines, what time of year did you go for on this particular cruise? Uh.
1: We were on the cruise on uh, June 21st.
0: Great. And, uh, you know, we talked about obviously your stateroom there. Um, let's talk about also, you know, take a step back here. We're talking about planning this cruise. One of those common questions we get about Alaska is packing. So what was your approach for packing for this kind of a vacation?
1: Um, our approach was packing layers. Um, we had, uh, I packed more layers than my husband because I get colder than him. He spent most of his time in short sleeve polo shirts and a, um, a fleece vest. We okay. both had um, waterproof jackets and waterproof pants. Um, I did use waterproof pants when we were on the ATV, even though we had a roof and a windshield. Rain still was getting in. Um, we bought Decent boots. I had uh, Speary Duck boots. I can't remember the brand he bought. Uh, but they were lightweight boots, uh, waterproof. Um, and just the layers. Um, I had a uh, a couple of fleece uh, jackets. I wore those most of the time. Or my uh, downfield vest. But yeah, it, it was challenging deciding what to take. And knowing that we would need this kind of clothing for both parts of the trip, both the land and the sea part, uh, we made sure to stay at a hotel uh, the night before the cruise that had uh, laundry facilities. So I was able to wash things and have fresh clothes for the second half of the trip.
0: Perfect. I was going to ask you about that because, first of all, Susan's strategy is exactly what I always recommend, which is the layers approach and having basically you have like almost a warm weather layer T-shirt. Let's call it that something short sleeve on the uh, as your base layer. Then you add on a warm layer, if you will. That's a hoodie. That's a a fleece. uh, That's a sweater, whatever you're comfortable with. And then on top of that, you have the potential third layer which is your waterproof layer, your waterproof rain jacket, your waterproof pants, things of that nature. And I, I think that's, that's really good advice there, Susan, uh, to, to share. And you mentioned also about Seward. And is the, the hotel, was this, was this a brand name? Was this like a Holiday Inn or, or a Marriott? Uh, was this?
1: No, we stayed at Harbor 360. Okay. Uh, it's uh, In fact, when we got up the morning of uh, the cruise, opened our window and there was the ship right across the harbor.
0: Perfect. So getting to yeah. the uh, to the ship was very easy then.
1: Oh, it was extremely easy. We had rented a car in um, Anchorage, and drove from Anchorage to Alaska, uh, stayed there, uh, drove to Whittier, and then drove down to Seward. And uh, the uh, Hertz rental is halfway between the hotel and the port. And uh, we dropped the car off and they took us right over to the ship.
0: Now, let's talk about the places you visited. Uh, first of all, you went to Hubbard Glacier, which is, what I'm hearing is like an amazing, the glacier to see.
1: I, it, it was amazing. Now, in um, Whittier, we had done 26 glacier tour, uh, <laughs> 26 glacier. So Hubbard was amazing. But it's not the first one we saw. So, sure. uh, you know, it's like if you're only going on the cruise, it, it's spectacular. And uh, we spent about two hours there and the um, the captain gave narrative. There was somebody else giving a narrative and um, the captain rotated the ship so that if you were on your balcony from either side, you could see it, uh, which was really nice.
0: Nice. I was going to ask you though, um, you know, as you were talking about seeing the 26 glaciers before you even got to Hubbard, if you could go back in time, Susan, not taking not, you know, I certainly don't think you made any mistakes, but if you were to go back in time or if you were to plan to go back again next month, as to say, how many days before the cruise would you now say you needed versus, you know, just like, we're nice to have kind of thing.
1: We would have added one more day at least. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, we would have at least added one more day in Denali uh, because we fit a lot in those. Like, we arrived at 1230 in the afternoon and left at 1230 two days later, and we did a Jeep excursion, the fly Denali, and the ATV ride. And uh, we're getting older. We're suffering jet lag. And by the time we got to the ship, we we were ready to
0: relax. Sure. That makes sense. Um, I was going to also ask you, you know, one of the things that they do really well on Alaska cruises that I did not take advantage of the the last time I went there and I want to make sure I make, I do the opposite this time is take advantage of of the lectures that they provide on board the ship. Did you have any opportunity to stop by any of these lectures yourself? Uh, these enrichment lectures talk about, you know, the, the various aspects of Alaska that you're seeing.
1: Yes, I did. Um, Our lecturer was Mountie Dave, and I I did attend his uh, last lecture on the last C day, and um, he was a retired uh, mounted police, and he wore his full uniform, yeah, the red and the the pants tucked into the boots. He -hmm. said, they don't wear that now anymore. But he talked about uh, how things were when he started out in the dog sleds and where he was stationed, and why he he went to the um, northwest. and he uh, was quite interesting. Hmm.
0: Cool. That's that's good to hear because I I would like to take advantage of that and I am glad to hear that someone who calls himself Mountie Dave does go into the whole shtick. I think you have to do that if you're you're calling yourself Mountie Dave, so even better. Yes, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How about Juno? What did you end up doing in Juno?
1: We went whale watching, a very successful whale watching. Um, We saw... uh, I saw three whales. My husband saw two because by the time... You say, oh, there's a whale. It's, it's, gone. it's gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were watching a uh, stellar sea lion swimming on the port side of the boat. And somebody says, right over there. And it was on the starboard side. And my husband had the GoPro. So he extended the monopod and he was able to to get perfect uh, view of the um the whale, we saw it come up and the spout, um, I think four times before it dove under and we saw the tail flip up. Wow. Yeah. And we were about a hundred feet away.
0: That's great. And the, and the water conditions weren't too bad. It wasn't like, I would love to do uh, a whale watching tour, but my wife is terribly concerned and I am too. Uh, we just have this, this idea of sitting on a boat and being like seasick from just from the motion constantly going back and forth.
1: Uh, no, these are, um, uh more like a catamaran bottom. They're they're okay. real real stable because I'm like that. It I have been on a, a smaller fishing boat out in the Atlantic and yeah I did feel seasick on that. But on this it's more like being on a catamaran. It, okay. You, you don't even feel it.
0: That's great. That's good to hear. Um how about Skagway? What did you do there?
1: Uh, we did the White Pass Railroad.
0: Ooh, I, I want to do that. I've heard very good things about it.
1: Oh, it's beautiful. And um, the one thing that I enjoyed about Alaska was learning. Uh, I used to be a teacher, so I appreciate learning. And uh, just the narrative they give you uh, through the whole trip, uh, telling you about how it was, how, how the um, prospectors used to have to, um, have certain, uh, equipment with them before they were allowed to go out and how the railroad was built at the start of the, um, gold rush, uh, with the intention of helping prospectors get up there to the Yukon. But by the time it was finished, the gold rush was over. Uh,
0: What was the... Which uh, which train tour did you do? I know there's many. There's like round trips. There's one that involves a bus one way. Which one did you pick?
1: We did the round trip.
0: Okay. And no regrets about that one also? uh,
1: No regrets at all. We're not bus people. Um, We have a hard time sitting still for very long. Uh, Both of us have some arthritis problems. And that's why in Denali, we opt not to do the bus tour into the park it's like eight there's one that goes eight hours one that goes 12 hours and we had done our research and read some reviews on TripAdvisor and people were saying well it's like a school bus it's not a tour bus it's like a school bus. and so that would be real uncomfortable so we opted not to do that and if we would have done that, we would have seen more uh, wildlife than we did because we talked to people on the cruise who actually did that. And they're like, oh, yeah, we saw 23 uh, grizzly bears and we saw so many moose and everything. So you have to know your limits. And as I said to my husband, you know, do your research And know what you can do and keep your expectations low or lower because we had expectations of driving along a turn again arm and stopping at Beluga Point and seeing Beluga Whales only to find out when we got there that Beluga Whales had left already.
0: Yeah, that was like, that that reminds me of uh, in Skagway, we took a Humvee tour. And the driver was giving us the whole thing about what happens when you run into a bear. And then we got to the Canadian border and the border patrol was like, have you seen any bears yet? And we're like, no. And they're like, oh, you are going to see tons of bears. And we ended up seeing one bear, which, by the way, was one more than most people saw on our cruise. But it's, it's like you said, so you got to keep your expectations in line that it's not necessarily going to be a scene out of like the Lion King. But in Alaska, where they're just kind of frolicking around you, it's not not it can't possibly be like that. But, you know. Aim low, and then you only have you can only go up from there.
1: Yeah, and you have to remember those videos you watch on YouTube and the pictures you see in uh, magazines uh, where the bear is catching the salmon, or you know, eagles are flying all over the place, or or, or you see a bunch of moose here or there. (laughs) uh, Those are taken by people who just take their time and that's all they want to do is get that perfect shot and so they may take 10,000 pictures just to get that one perfect picture Absolutely. Um, because the whale watching somebody was saying about oh they want to see it breaching and the guy said oh, well that's a very rare thing to see you're yeah. you're you're going to be lucky to see the spout and the tail
0: yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the other thing about the bus ride. And I don't have arthritis, but I don't want to sit on a bus for 12 hours. I don't care what it where it's going or what it's seeing. That's a long time. So I think that's uh, yeah. really good advice.
1: Well, they said uh, it stops every hour and a half, so you yeah. can get out and walk around and use the restroom. Well, I'm I'm sorry, that's still not good yeah. enough for me, especially no, around the. Kind of right. Us. It's, yeah.
0: it's, it's really good advice. I mean, know thyself, right? You have to know your exactly. limits and know what is really going to be, you know, look, I know you're paying a lot of money to go up there and, and you want to see all these amazing things, but you also can't put it at the, you know, at all costs and then come back, you know, not you got to be able to enjoy it at the same time. Not just be like, well, I saw stuff, but I didn't enjoy any minute of it because I was in pain or uncomfortable exactly. or what have you. So exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I assume for Icy Straight Point, it's a lot like your Hubbard Glacier experience, where you enjoyed it from the comfort of your balcony.
1: No, Icy Straight, you actually um, uh, dock at a pier. It's um, uh, in Hoonah, mm. and uh, it's gorgeous. Icy Straight Point is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. We did the um, longest zip line over land. Mm. Uh, It took 45 minutes by bus to get up to the top of the mountain and 90 seconds to get down. (laughs)
0: It
1: it was over a mile long, and uh, it starts up at 1,300 feet, and you end up at zero.
0: Wow. Not bad at all.
1: Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah.
0: Uh, (laughs) That's good. How about uh, Ketchikan?
1: Um, Ketchikan, we didn't do anything. By that time, we were exhausted, Uh, so when we got to Ketchikan, I was up early and and took pictures of us docking, and then uh, my husband went to the gym to work out while I went uh, just to do a little bit of shopping. Um, They have some really neat stores there. I I was surprised to find things like Diamond International and uh, Amethyst International, just like you do in the Caribbean. But walking, uh, going back a block from the dock, um, there were some local stores uh, that were interesting. Like I walked into a fur store that sold all kind of furs, beautiful furs. Um, I saw a blanket made out of um, uh, silver fox, uh, 14 silver fox pallets. And I was like, oh, is that gorgeous? And the guy says, uh, yeah, it's only uh, $16,999. I said, ooh. And (laughs) he played with his calculator. He says, "Uh, yeah, but we're uh, a direct outlet. And I could give it to you for uh, $6,999. And I said, well, I didn't bring my credit card. And I have to go back and talk to the boss about this (laughs) and see what he says. And I'll bring him back later. (laughs) we never did go back.
0: No, 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 no. It's always Uh, a, it it always brings a red flag when you drop $10,000 in the price with the snap of the fingers. Like maybe it's not really worth $17,000. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah, And to your point about the Diamonds International and what have you, I mean, it's, I I come to expect it more than not expect it. I mean, you know, I love cruising, uh, but Inevitably, if you're in a, a port where a Royal Caribbean ship goes, odds are you're probably in a major tourist hub. And Diamonds International is not new at this game. I'm, I'm sure they're, they're very well-versed in how this works. So, you know, they're knowing where the cruise ships are going.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Uh,
0: how about the inside passage? That was beautiful.
1: Um, it did rain part of the day. And mm. we were packing up, so we didn't care. But we could look out our, uh, our on our deck. We sat out on the deck for a while and um, uh, took some pictures. And uh, it, it was really nice.
0: So Susan, really- uh, first of all, it sounds like an amazing vacation, by the way. And the you fact that you, took, you, only took, you only took one day to take a break in Ketchikan, I think is amazing because I would have been like taking way more breaks than, than you would have at this point. But uh, looking back at it, What would be your advice to somebody going to Alaska for whether it's their first cruise or their next cruise? Based on your experience here, what would be some of your recommendations for somebody else?
1: Um, uh, First of all, do your research. Um, Alaska.org was the best resource that we had because it covers every place in Alaska. And it covers anything you could want to do. It covers uh, places to stay, um, it has links to the websites for the places and the activities. And uh, we use that, and we use TripAdvisor to, to check out things and decide what we wanted to do. Um, I would definitely suggest at least getting up to Denali, at least. Um, it was well worth it. Uh, you know, if you, if you can't take two weeks take an extra four or five days and start in Denali. Uh, You'd fly into Anchorage, go up to Denali or whatever. Um, Although Fairbanks is closer than Anchorage. Um, The Wilderness Express was a great way to go between uh, Fairbanks to Denali and Denali to Anchorage. Uh, We did have dinner on there uh, on the way to Anchorage and dinner was excellent. Um, know your limits. Uh, we actually researched even the weather, what the weather was like at different in the different months, and that's why we chose June because, um, according to the statistics, we saw June was the least rainy month of the summer, and. Um, we knew we wanted to do the southbound because we wanted to do all the activities, give ourselves time to um, get used to the time change, because it was a four-hour time change for us. And um, that that allowed us to gradually get in, you know, adjusted um, and just just keep your expectations under control.
0: Awesome. Well, Susan, thank you so much for sharing all this. As someone who's going to Alaska next year, I'm sure I speak for a lot of other people who are planning their Alaska cruises and don't even know they're planning because they're going to be listening to this and they'll come back to this episode months from now to re-listen to it. I really appreciate your your assistance and your insight into your vacation because it sounds like you had an awesome time and some really good, helpful uh, information for everybody going forward. Thank you again, Susan.
1: You're welcome, Matt.
0: All right, let's answer your listener emails. This is the part of the podcast where I dive into that inbox, answer the emails you've sent me, and if you're thinking to myself, gee whiz, wouldn't it be swell to send an email to Matt and have it read on the podcast? Well, you'd be right. You can send it to matt at royalcarribeanblog.com, M-A-T-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email is from Steve Van Meter of Lodi, California, Right. As I mentioned to you before, your podcast helped me save money on my recent and first July 7th Freedom of the Seas cruise. I'll take a moment to quantify the savings as a means of saying thank you and informing. First off, I purchased only one internet package. I was tempted to purchase more, but I learned in your program that we could share the password. Big savings there. I also learned that it might be best to buy cheaper drinks while off the ship, a strategy that I took full advantage of. I also booked my excursions through Royal Caribbean. I realized I could have found cheaper options, but in St. Lucia, the Spanish Galleon, was forced to dock at a distant location due to poor traffic, causing a lengthy bus ride across town. We barely made it back on time. If this had been a third party booking and we were late, well imagine the expenses I avoided and the peace of mind gained. Thanks again to you and your podcast, I did not purchase the key and didn't regret it. Thanks again. And lastly, I didn't buy drinks on board. I speak Spanish and I enjoy the Latin music as well as the live Caribbean soca style music. But I feel that Freedom really missed the mark by not offering live classic rock the entire cruise. Now, the other music was great, but as a baby boomer, nothing would get me to pry a crowbar into my wallet to buy drinks like a good 70s music would have. I plan on booking additional cruises as in the Mediterranean in the near future. Am I likely to find different music on, uh, or offer on another ship's leaving from different ports? Thanks again. You know, Steve, first of all, thanks for the email, and I'm glad to hear that you're saving some, some, some money right there. In terms of the music, I'm actually surprised because in Freedom of the Seas, did you check out the music in either the pub or the Schooner Bar? Both locations will play a variety of music, but you'll get music that's of your generation. Certainly, uh, you get a wide gamut of it. I would say there's a lot, of, mostly music from the 70s through 90s uh, in the pub. The Schooner Bar tends to skew more towards 60s through 80s. Uh, it, it can really vary. I mean, there's obviously going to be outliers, but. These are live music. I mean, the pub is going to be a guitarist, the schooner bar is going to be a, a pianist, and then uh, in different venues, primarily the Star Lounge on Freedom of the Seas, you'll have the band playing there, and they'll play a variety of music there as well. Um, sometimes it is the pool band playing there, sometimes it's other venues. Obviously Boleros is going to have live Latin music, but you should be able to find that kind of music on board. So. To, to your question, will you find different kinds of music? Sure. I mean, you are going to find, there's going to be different performers and inevitably you're going to find different styles with that. Uh, but certainly I am surprised that you didn't find that on, on Freedom of the Seas because I've cruised on Freedom extensively and I'm fairly certain. Now granted, maybe you're looking for a specific uh, artist, you know, maybe you're looking for as an example, um, you know, uh, Earth, Wind and Fire versus um, some other 70s band that I can't think of off the top of my head and I'm showing my age right now, but you know. And and anyway, um, what I would recommend actually, see what you could do is look at a past cruise compass. If you're looking, considering different particular ships, look at a cruise compass from our cruise compass archive at royalcaribbeanblog.com, and then that'll give you a pretty good idea of what to expect. Because if they're, you know, on ship A versus ship B, to give you an idea of what type of entertainment is available on board. Let's go to our next email. It is from uh, someone else named Matt. All right, so, uh, this is Matt. I found your podcast in the last few weeks and listened to dozens of episodes. By the way, congratulations on passing number 300. A lot of awesome information and very entertaining. My wife and I have cruised five years uh, back on Enchantment of the Seas for our 10th anniversary on a five-night trip. We really enjoyed ourselves on the midsize ship and had a great time. We shared some experiences of a lifetime and enjoyed two great excursions in Roatan and Cozumel. I strongly suggest to your listeners that if you have the chance to snorkel in Roatan, you have you have to do it, as this country is has a great job of preserving the reefs off the shore. But the experience of a lifetime was the Regatta experience at Cozumel, where you and a group of twelve or so people sail and race an America's Cup sailing schooner, the Stars and Stripes, against another group of cruisers in their boat under the watchful eye of a crew of three. Such an awesome memory. Racing and learning to operate the boat for a couple hours before chilling with a drink and relaxing with your fellow teammates. You have to try it. Well, five years later, we've booked another cruise to leave for Port Canaveral for seven nights in late October 2019 to visit Perfect Day Coco Key, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and St. Vincent's, St. Thomas, on your favorite ship, Harmony of the Season. This time, we're taking our two daughters who are 8 and 10. Needless to say, your podcast is going to be pumped up. So I have some questions for you, sir. Number one. We're flying in the day before we depart from your home, to the home port. Wondering if you had a great family suggestion on what to do in the area that you've experienced. Also wondering if you had a hotel recommendation near the port. When we get there and what we end up doing will probably dictate whether I Uber to the port or rent a car for a day. Good questions all around, Matt. Uh, so in terms of Port Canaveral, you really have two choices and you shouldn't overlook Orlando as a place to stay. The reason why I say that, Matt, is uh, the area around Port Canaveral is nice. It's it's called Cocoa Beach and Merritt Island so if you go far enough south. It's great. It's your typical Florida beach community. There's lots of hotels. You've got the Ron John locations and some shopping and dining. Um, but it can be a little, it's not that expensive, but it can be a little pricey depending on time of year. October, the good news about October, late October, that's like prime hurricane season, so it's not, the hotel should not be that busy as opposed to like, you know, uh, spring as an example. And by the way, don't get scared about this, I'm just pointing out a a, a pricing fact more than anything. So uh, nothing wrong with that there. The reason why I say Orlando is with Orlando is such a massive city and such a massive tourist area, you might find more to do and more hotel choices and Possibly better rates there. So don't overlook Orlando. That's number one. If you're just flying in the night before your cruise, it takes away my other recommendation for Port Canaveral. There's a great resort that I stayed in with my family for a couple nights called the uh, Holiday Inn Cape Canaveral Beach Resort. It's a Holiday Inn Resort, IHG, and it was amazing. But you really need like one solid day there. If you're going there for two nights or more, it'd be perfect. Otherwise, the Radisson and Cocoa Beach is wonderful. And in Orlando, you have a ton, ton of choices between near Disney World, between near Universal Studios, near the airport. Uh, you'll find a variety of great choices there. No shortage, certainly. Matt's second question is, is there anything I absolutely have to experience in St. Vincent's, St. Thomas? I'll probably opt for a, opt for a family-friendly boat cruise snorkel trip, but appreciate any suggestions. You know, I haven't been to St. Vincent's, but St., I'm actually surprised you're going there, but St. Thomas, uh, Megan's Bay. Megan's Bay with the kids, one of the most beautiful beaches in the world, do that. Number three, am I allowed to use a, two, a set of two-way radios on board to communicate? I would recommend not doing that. Um, you can use them. There's nothing you, There's nothing prohibiting you from using two-way radios. There's two good reasons why you shouldn't use two-way radios. Number one, they're annoying to other guests. The It's just annoying. Number two, and more importantly to you, they don't work as well as you might think. There's a lot of interference, bulkheads, uh, radio interference that's that's on the ship itself. It doesn't work nearly as well as you might think. I think you're better off taking advantage, if you have cell phones, is buying an internet package. Voom is not very expensive, even if you are sharing it among three or four people with an internet package. I really feel if you pre-purchase before the cruise, take advantage of a cruise planner sale, it is gonna be very effective um, and and not that bad. Now, Harmony of the Seas does have for free, no additional cost, the chat function available on the app. What you might do, Matt, is roll the dice and bet on that. And the app function is there. Basically, you download the app, you can chat with it there. It works pretty darn well, certainly well enough considering that it's free to use. And the only uh, downside is, at least at the time this recording, is notifications of new messages if you're not actively using the app leaves a little to be desired. That I hope is going to change going forward. So uh, if I were you, I'd probably double down on the chat function, because Harmony and Allure are the only two ships currently that offer it and use that as an idea. And lastly, Matt writes, I have read some of your blog posts about the topic of Old San Juan. I know it's one of your favorite ports. Your blog posts are a couple of years old. Do you have any newfound favorite San Juan that we should check out? My family and I plan to tour Old San Juan ourselves that day and not plan any specific excursions, just walk around and enjoy the sights. Uh, I, you're right, I absolutely love San Juan. I would say the only thing I would add to anything you find on the blog about that is uh, the, the Umbrella Street. It, it's, it's, a, it's become such a tourist trap in the sense that like everybody goes there, but it's uh, Fourth Liza Street. Uh, if you all the way on the west side of Old San Juan, don't worry, just go to Fort Elisa Street, start walking, you'll find it. Heck, you could probably just put it in your phone and Google uh, Maps, because of course, being in San Juan, your American cell phone plans work there. Um, it's wonderful get there in the morning though go before the crowds really build by lunch by about 11 a.m or lunchtime or so you really got a lot of people there but in the morning it's much more manageable and easier to do so matt thanks so much for the uh email really appreciate that hopefully that helps you out there Uh, next we have an email from steve williams who writes to me it's like looking at going on a cruise in december 2020 aboard oasis of the seas the last ship we sailed in enchantment of the seas the beds killed my back it wasn't until i was on board and realized i could have gotten a topper for my bed but sadly none were available now on a way so noticed there are cabins with soft beds available. My question is, does it cost extra to have these rooms? My back would appreciate a softer bed. Steve, good question. I'd actually, I'll be perfectly honest, this is the first I'm hearing of softer beds. I have heard of people asking for mattress toppers, and my advice to you is, number one, as soon as you get on board the ship, Steven, ask your state attendant for it immediately. Um, you're also, unfortunately, barking up the wrong tree in the sense that I always think the beds are very comfortable. I've been on many different ships. I sleep like a baby on all of these. Uh, my wife might mention that uh, if she were here, that, that may be because I spend some time in the pub before I go to bed. Fair point. But uh, <laughs> I nap well on them too. My uh, In terms of, uh, if you see the option there, and quite fr- again, this is news to me, so I'm learning something here. I would definitely book them. I'm not sure, quite frankly, if they do cost extra or not. Again, a travel agent can help answer that information. Also, you could just look at, even if you're looking on the Roker website, you should be able to compare A versus B and see if you're seeing a, a variety or, or a difference in price there. So. Uh, next email is from Tim and Lori. It's thanks for all the information you provide about Royal Caribbean Cruising. My wife and I need you to be the marriage ref and settle, should I say, a debate between us. Oh boy. We've only taken three cruises and are about to do our fourth. We've always gone in July or August because my wife does not want to travel our way while the kids are in school. Next year, our last child will graduate and I'm suggesting a cruise in February. My wife thinks it'll be too cold to enjoy places like Cocoa Key. I say... We live in North Dakota and she will think it's beautiful if they're leaving our 30 below temperatures. What says you? Would we be swimming and sitting on the beach or wearing long pants? Thanks for your wisdom, keep it the good work. Uh, P.S. Our first cruise is on Enchantment of the Seas and I did not buy a ship model, something I've done on other sailings and idea how I can get one. If you want a ship model, eBay, it's either eBay, Tim, or you have to uh, ask somebody who's going on that ship to buy one and bring it back for you. There's no other means of getting one, so. Um, but check eBay, there's usually one that pops up every now and then. But in terms of settling your debate, I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you, it will be very warm in February. Uh, I've cruised many times in the month of February, and don't forget, in the Caribbean, and the Bahamas is obviously more the North Atlantic or South Atlantic than it is the, the Caribbean, but I digress on that point. The, the bottom line is, it is warm there in February. Warm enough to go in the water. Is it going to be like the same as July? Of course not. But it's going to be warm. You're going to be wearing shorts. And coming from North Dakota, it's going to seem like a heat wave. For me in Florida, maybe a little bit chilly, but I've always gone in the water in February. I've even gone in the water in January and December in the Caribbean. So uh, I don't think you'll have any problems there whatsoever. I mean, obviously, look, a, a cold front could blow through. That can always be the X factor there in terms of making it feel like your wife's going to win this debate. But I think all things being equal, uh, I would say that you're probably going to be fine. And that February will be a great time, not only to go on a cruise, but to enjoy some fabulous weather. Because not only is it warm, it's not humid. That is one of my favorite reasons to go on a cruise in February versus the warmer months of the year. Uh, Next email is from... Uh, Daniel Stoper of Harriman, Utah. We have sailed in adjoining ocean view balconies previously and have asked room attendants to open the partitions to create a larger shared space. Now we're looking to go on a waste of the seas, considering Central Park balconies. I'm just wondering, can this be done on the internal balconies as well or just on the ocean side balconies? Dan, the answer to your question is yes, it can. Um If you have connecting or, or adjoining, I should say, stateroom balconies, Uh, and in the central park ones or boardwalk balconies, they can absolutely have the dividers opened up. Just let your stay attendant know. And most of the time they they do it, uh, preemptively. They they can see that the, you know, these people are together, but if not, uh, you should have no issues, uh, requesting it. So you're good to go. Next e- Our next email, rather, is from Gina, who writes, Love the podcast. I'm about to go my first cruise on June. Uh, welcome back. For the Southern Caribbean on Freedom of the Seas. We're so excited I've listened to just about every episode of the podcast in preparation. We're staying in the infamous cow butt room of the Ben and Jerry suite. I can't wait. I first read about that room on your blog and decided I need to experience this one-of-a-kind room firsthand. Anyway, I'm not planning on getting internet on board the ship, thought it would be really nice to unplug for the week rather than investing in the internet. Though one concern I had in regards to the decision was how it would affect keeping communication with the excursion companies. I planned all my excursions outside of Royal Caribbean because I was looking for less touristy and more unique options, but the proprietors have asked for my phone number and WhatsApp info to keep in contact about pickups. Will I be okay relying on whatever Wi-Fi is in port when it comes to making contact with the excursion guides or... Should I get internet just to be safe? It seems like an expensive safety precaution, and I'd rather use that money towards excursions, food, and drinks rather than on the internet, which is abundant at home. What do you think? Will I be able to manage my excursions without purchasing internet, or should I have something just to be safe? Thanks, Matthew, for the great content. My only complaint is that now that I'm totally caught up with all the past shows, once a week seems so long to wait for new episodes. (laughs) Gina, thanks for the email. I would tell you that you theoretically should be able to go without the internet. My advice is make sure you do two things. Number one, before you even get on board the ship, try to firm up all your plans. Make sure you have a meet time, meet location, and a, bat, a phone number or something that if you absolutely positively needed to, you could contact them. Rather than, you know, oh, they'll email you like the week of or a couple days before to let you know. If you can do that, that's half the battle. And then what you really could do in other ports is hop on free Wi-Fi at various Starbucks or other locations, you know, check in, see that there's no other messages, and you're good to go. You'd probably be fine there. Also keep in mind, Junior, you can always purchase a 24 hour pass once on board the ship. The 24 hour pass is about $29.99 per 24 hours. And maybe if you, it, it's consecutive hours, you can't pick and choose. So once you buy it and use it, it's like pay-per-views, they just start, the timer begins. Um, but you could do that and maybe strategically place that at, you know, be, you know, on the morning of one port and you have the port, another port on the next day. And obviously that would run through both days, to some extent, you could do something like that. But I think you'd be okay. Um, you know, I, I would also point out that if, re, if you pre-purchase the internet package via Royal Caribbean's website before the cruise, you'll save money compared to buying it on board the ship, and thus that'll that's still money saved. But I understand you know the idea, the notion of what you're trying to do here, and I think you can absolutely make it work. You just have to do your homework. You have to be as proactive as you can be, so that way, going into your cruise, there's no question marks on your end or on the excursion provider's end. And again, just. I would connect every, you know, periodically as much as you can while in port and other ports just to make sure there's no other messages. And the day of, you know, you should be fine and should is the keyword there. So thank you, Gina, for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. And uh, until next time, I'm Matt Hochberg and we'll talk again real soon.